Welcome to Deviant Creators, the show within a show where I get to introduce you guys to my favorite people in all of audio drama because it's going to be a while before Deviant's back for season two. So in the meantime, wanted to give you some other things to listen to. And given that that I was their first interview for their podcast, I decided to bring in JV is JV Hampton Van Zant is the full name. Yep, that's it. It's su- you have such a good name. <laughs> I need you to realize this. Oh, I do. Uh, here's the fun thing: secret to a lot of secret for well, not secret to like anybody because I've told a lot of people this. Um, I got to choose it. It's a name that I got to decide that I had. Um. My stepdad and my mom got married, um, so there was just the taking of that, which happened when I was 18. Um, yeah. Which is why that was the choice. Like, because I was 18, I could have opted to do it or not, whereas, like, my little siblings that um, who were not yet 18, it just happened to them. Like, it, just, it was like, yeah, no, your name's now just a hyphenated name. Congratulations. Um but like all my all my siblings have that have that as a last name and it honestly looks fucking great. My little brother's name is Wesley with a T. Oh my god. Yeah. Like it's a beautiful fucking last name, right? Like it's a it just it makes everything flow nicely. We all sound like authors. It's beautiful. Yeah. You sound like authors or like the rich people on Gilligan's Island. Like that's the vibe. <laughs> Especially like Wesley, like Wesley, come here, Wesley Van Zandt, please. <laughs> Which is also just funny because we are like we are occasionally fancy. I like to joke that my uh, my Twitter handle, which is Red Black Golden, the black is for it stands for fancy black, which is not um, because it's yeah. spelled weirdly. But I'm not that fancy, just as a general human. I occasionally look fancy, but that is because I'm. I don't know. There's this weird thing that happened when I was like younger where like we um we had to do like etiquette training like and it was a part of the school curriculum. Like but not but my we were in public I'm sorry, school. you're talking to someone who was raised in Alabama. <laughs> so I'm like that wasn't nothing we had. We got to do push-ups a lot. That was all we really had. Well, we did that too. It just it was like um, so we had an establishment that was nearby our school that was a fancy establishment. Um, uh, and we like they offered a program where like bring your elementary school kids to this thing and teach them classist things that will stick in their brain for the rest of their lives that they will have to fight against forever. Um, so, yeah, there's that. <laughs> that's that's horrible. Like the most I ever got from mine as far as, like, not even etiquette trade, but the only thing that's really stuck in my mind from elementary school training is to never let somebody hold my knees for doing sit-ups. <laughs> sure. And the reason, well, hold on. No, the reason why is because at one point I did a sit-up and he just, whoever was holding my legs just straight decked me in the face. It was the worst. So at least you got, like, you got, like, okay, now you must walk correctly, go through this. Meanwhile, I was getting punched in the face doing sit-up. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, granted, there was a lovely time where, because, like, again, the the least classy of things, we were on the jungle gyms, and at one point, we decided we were all going to do um, some anime three-point landings. Um <laughs> <laughs> off, of the, off of the top of the slide, but this was a wooden structure. 
Um, a wooden structure with two metal bars that we would have to hold onto the top one, slide underneath the bottom one, do a twist in midair, and then land in the three-point landing. Um, we fuck it. children are so dumb first of all but <laughs> like i include myself there because i did this and this is how i lost um <laughs> i think i lost two teeth that day because oh my god i fucked up the twist and my like face went a little too far down so my chin hit the like hit the wooden part of the thing so I fucked the whole landing up because I just landed on my back, and like oh we my never, god, and we never found that tooth. Um, I don't know where the fuck it went. But hey, back in the nineties, we didn't really give a shit about children um, <laughs> and their safety, hence why we just lose things. I don't know. It it, it is what it is. Reckless child endangerment. Um, so audio drama. <laughs> all of this contributed to. Why we do audio drama now, yeah. The reckless experiences that I had that I wound up, like, some of which wound up actually in audio fiction. Like, there's a fight in um, Red Wing that occurs on a playground that, honestly, pretty directly, like, that directly happened to me in seventh grade, um, (laughs) which is roughly the age that that happened to that character. But I didn't discover I had superpowers at the time. I just got, well, I didn't get my I, I ass do beat. Love, Somebody else got I there. love this idea. This idea that you were like, I can't do a three-point superhero landing in real life, so I'm going to do a superhero audio drama so I don't have to. Exactly. The real reason there is like, listen, I'm mildly overweight and can never actually be underweight like that's never gonna happen i'm never going to build muscle there is never going to be a moment where i will physically play a superhero ever again in my life but you know what i can do i can voice one so i can be the voice of one yeah i mean that's kind of where i'm at because like i know i as far as like athletically if i tried i could probably bulk up but i don't want to I don't want to be a big, cool spaceman. Uh, but yeah, I'd li- I I wouldn't mind like being an athletic Scotty, but for right now, I'd like to prove my chops by doing audio drama and showing that I can be a space boy if need be. So, Re- Red Wing, give what is Red Wing? All right, so Red Wing, the audio drama. Um... There's a capital W in there. I just feel like that's important. It's not really important for SEO, but more that there's like a bunch of things labeled Red Wing throughout the throughout the Google sphere. It, it's like Spider-Man. You want to make sure people know the hyphen and the capitalization and all that's in there. Exactly. Um, it's a it's a superhero audio drama centering around a, a black billionaire who is like 25 years old um akin to a lot of people say batman but i would say actually akin to dick grayson if batman had died which is that dick grayson would have inherited all of batman's money and then thus um like would have just been the billionaire instead also because uh dick grayson was more athletic and and uh and a gymnast i mean so. i mean not for nothing the dick grayson con- p- comparison is there between nightwing and red wing precisely also because i numerous times during the whole thing there is a su- there's a there is a running thing where um 
Nightwing is said to have the best ass in the DC universe, which I <laughs> agree with. Um, Redwing in this universe is the one who has the best ass of all the superheroes. Um, so, with I mean, granted, uh, he would argue that it's actually his husband who has the best ass, which, yes, um, but that's also because I designed it that way, so sure, uh, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, that's the beauty of audio drama. We can just be like, it's a great ass, and the people at home are like, you know what? I bet they're right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, granted, I did ha- well, I didn't have his ass illustrated, but I will say, the person I based him off of, like, his character off of, um, is a porn star. Uh, so, we will leave okay. that alone. Um, yeah, well, just the physical appearance, really, um, because I had an infatuation with a porn star at the time. Um, that will leave that where that is. That's fine. Moving I forward. I mean, I was just going um, through all the characters in Deviant in my mind and being like, was that one a porn star? No, I don't think any of them are based <laughs> on porn stars. I mean, you find inspiration in the most wild of places. Really, my issue is that I, I very much... Um, redheads are very cute to me and and i it one in particular um in regards with that thing um and thus i named it after that or not i opening an incognito window now and redheaded male porn star uh, oh dear so it's connor mcguire um is the name of the porn star um he's very very pretty um and i based uh the character of uh, of uh, Dean off of that. Um, and no, the name didn't come from Supernatural. I just was looking for something akin to Connor that was like a kind of semi-basic name. Yeah. Um, and Dean just sort of fit. Um, uh, also, it felt like something that someone would potentially name an Irish child. Anyway, it's fine. Oh, yeah, this dude definitely, yeah, he's a... Su- I'm looking at him right now. That is a... I could see him portraying a superhero. There, that is, he's he's got a lot. Anyways, back to what you were saying. <laughs> he is definitely there. Um, who? Uh, I, 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 I chose a bunch of general character archetypes that I enjoyed, and I sandwiched the ball together in a large audio fiction thing that took me three years initially to write um as a book that i then in the last six months of that was like i can do audio fiction um so i immediately read like rewrote the whole thing um and made it into um into an audio drama that has a lot of narration but like is still an audio drama. That's the one thing I found because I, I think uh, there's another one. I'm hopefully going to have them on is uh, the people behind Rifted, and I believe that was a novel before it became one as well. And that that's always going to lead to a whole lot of narration there. It will because there's a lot of shit that like I can't make people fully understand about the world unless I fully explain it. Like it's hard to like get a sense of like. There's a whole sequence that happens in uh, episode nine of the first season that happens, like, with observing people on a train. That, yeah, yeah. like, is a, is a commentary on the entirety of the, of the city. The whole universe and the city is, like, basically, like, all of that's sort of condensed into that moment and whether or not the world is worth being protected. Um, 
These are the de- yeah no the, the concepts that I go into are deep. Um, like it's like this superhero. Well, because uh, I was gonna say like I guess the narration is also important because you're. I was thinking I was ballsy doing Star Wars, but only audio. And then you came out like, no, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but only audio. It's like, no, I think some visuals are needed. (laughs) There's a lot of visuals that, like, were needed. Like, there are certain basic things where I'm like, yeah, I need, um... I need for us to specifically see, um, like, what this superhero outfit looks like and how it, like, looks like the one from, um looks like the one that his parents might have wore in the past because at one point he realizes his parents were previously superheroes. That's a whole other long story that almost was a prequel, but wasn't because I didn't make that work. But it's fine. Um, so it, does he, is he Batman-esque? Does he have no powers? No. No, he's, he, no he has powers. Um, he, has, uh, he is telekinetic slash psychokinetic, depending on how you really want to define both of those things, can manipulate things on a, on a molecular level um, at the sort of height of his powers, and also can make force fields, because I like both of those things. Um, it's very good. Right? This just seems fun. Um, and the force field one felt very, very apt, because he similar to both Batman and also Nightwing, watched his parents die. Um, but the difference between this character and Batman is that this one had a sister and also therapy. Um, and, well... I just, I don't think you can make a superhero without some dead parents being thrown in there somewhere. No, especially not when, like, it comes to, like, oh, yeah, no, revenge is gonna happen. Like, like, revenge seems to be a good motivator for, like, getting certain heroes started. Like, I all, like, I forever will love Huntress as a character, but her whole, like, backstory entirely is just revenge. Like, it's just about revenge, which is all well and good and fine. But I don't like for the longest part of that character's motivation to have just been getting revenge on this one person. It doesn't lead to as compelling a character for me. Um, So I wanted this person to be like, to come to the decision that like, no, I do want to be a hero. I want to actually be a hero. I want to actually be a good person who does good things for other people. It's also a thing Batman didn't really do. Batman didn't really donate to charity very often, and that was fucked up to me. So, <laughs> um, so here my character goes building, like, homeless shelters and, like, actually, like, contributing to people's lives when they're in shitty situations and, like, knowing, like, and doing what what he can to like protect people and help people and like give back so that these millions upon millions of dollars that he has isn't just like going toward him having a cool car like it's going to him having a cool car that he's going to use to be a superhero and then also yeah yeah like like it's almost given me and not i guess it's also because uh this individual superhero is in a lot of people's minds right now but black panther vibes because that was like the big vibe at the end of Black Panther was like, I'm going to set up places all across the world where we can reach out and help them there. I'm like, yeah, Black Panther. Hell yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I had a, I mean, that movie I don't think was out when I like, when I was 
in the writing process, if I recall correctly. It might have, like, just come out, but it was also, like, again, a different universe. So, like, I wasn't really, like, I I will say, of all the universes that I was, like, basing this world off of, like, Marvel things certainly existed, but... Uh, DC things definitely existed in comic book form within that universe. And like, are you uh, are are you like me, where you're really bad about like seeing a movie and it immediately influencing you to go down? Or are you very good about like, no, that's that story and this is this story? Because it, it, it depends on how long I've been thinking about the story and how long I've been sort of in the universe of the story that I'm writing. Like with this one, it was clearly a like. It for me, it was a. I've invested a lot in, into um, reading a lot of things with Nightwing in it at this particular moment, and also watching the Arrowverse, which like those things for sure contributed a lot. Um, but like, I watched Wonder Woman, and immediately Wonder Woman kind of low key became a character, just not until actually. You know what? Low key in the first season, I did kind of know this was happening, but. Um, the character of Dean is also kind of a lot like Wonder Woman, but that doesn't really come up until the second season. Like, he's literally part of a separate race of human that, like, is extremely powerful and exists to simply be a warrior. And I, I really, like, my my book I wrote, definitely, I watched the Kingsman film for the first time during it. And you could see the exact chapter where Scotty watched Kingsman because <laughs> the whole thing goes from like a fun buddy comedy to why is there now a secret organization involved? But I'm I'm very lucky I don't watch a lot of sci-fi. So so outside of like Star Trek and Guardians of the Galaxy, so uh, Deviant really remained pure and didn't have too many influences jumping into it. That is good. I I. <laughs> Oh man, I love the way that Deviant Season One wrapped up. It made me very happy. Um, oh, yeah, man. yeah. Oh, feel free to like ask questions because, like, that's the other. I'm trying to make sure everybody who comes on is also listened to Deviant, so that way, if they have questions, they could be our audience and basically be like, "Hey, this, this, this. What's happening?" It made sense to me, though. That's the thing. It made full sense to me i also there's also a like line for me where i'm like it okay so one thing i can also say one of the only audio dramas i've ever enjoyed that takes place in space congratulations you win Thank that you. because I, I like I, there's a thing with space fiction where i cannot fucking stand it and i i cannot explain well actually i can't explain because we discussed this when you uh, guessed it on wannabe film buffs um <clears throat> There is a traumatic scene for me in the first Star Wars movie um, where there were dead bodies on fire. Um, They were clearly, like, fake, but when I saw the first movie when I was four, like, that just fucked me up for, like, ever. And I'm like, nope, fuck space fiction for the rest of my life. Um, (laughs) Which is not convenient. With me, I straight up was looking at it like... Because the the space fiction I came from is Relativity, the show that I... uh, it, It is insanely smart. It's funny, but it's also super smart. And I said, nah, we need a really dumb, good, dumb action space opera kind of thing. And that's where I, because like there's Oz 9, which is very funny. But I was like, what if it just went full Star Wars? So I was trying to make the Star Wars of audio drama. That makes sense to me. It also had a lot of, like, to be clear, I I need for everybody to know, I have actually not watched, like, almost any Star Trek, but what I, 
What I had. Oh no, was, neither have I. Neither have I. The what? The wild thing about that is it has major, major, mama, ma major Star Trek vibes. Um, from the one movie that I watched, which was the most recent, not the most recent movie. Actually, no, I did see the most recent movie, the one that had um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I have seen that one, but I saw the one before that one too. Um, so. Having the one before that, it gave me so many like vibes of that movie, which is not a bad thing. I actually really did enjoy that one. I'm kind of interested how, like, I'm just like, because like it would be purely an accident. Oh, it was in the fact that there was a training academy in the first place, which there clearly also was in that first thing. Oh, yeah. With also there being a sort of. I think it's fair to say reckless, um, central, a reckless central character, um, who maybe... Oh, I, he's is, actively uh, the worst. Fabulous. Glad you recognize that. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> like, the, a, being polite, reckless, um, it's, uh, makes a lot of wild decisions, but also comes from a lineage of people who are important in the realm of uh space things and and uh <laughs> space travel Woo! um i don't know words i'm bad at english it's so funny to me that i cannot speak another language other than english and that i suck at english so badly um but that like the there's that sort of a thing that it that with that star trek movie that it sort of shares in the beginning in the beginning seeds that you're supposed to extract from uh, the Star Trek movie that it that it sort of carries similarly to. Okay, because like with me, Dean, or I almost called him Dean, but Dane. <laughs> Oops, oopsie poopsies. <laughs> uh, Dane straight up to me was like, "What if Han Solo was real?" Because obviously in Star Wars we get the fictionalized version of what that guy would be, which is, well, he's actually good at heart, but he's a hero. And I'm like, yeah, but he would be a jerk. Yes, yes, he would be. And also, I controversial opinion, I don't like Han Solo in the movies. He's such an asshole the whole time and not super useful almost all of the time. And it like, but the way everybody talks about him from the original trilogy, and that's the thing that annoys me about it, is from the original trilogy, now having seen all of it as an adult... All of the shit that people give Han Solo for the original trilogy, no, he doesn't live up to any of those things. He's a shitty dude the whole fucking time and basically a sexual predator for the first two movies. Like, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it it drives me up a wall when people are like, yeah, he's such a good... Also, because he reminds me of, like, a bunch of people who have actively hit on me before where I'm like, no. This is not, no, this is not the way to do it. Like, don't, don't Han Solo your way into my pants. It's not going to work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked basing him off that, but I was like, what if Han Solo, because he clearly has like a death wish in Star Wars. I was like, what if he didn't want to die and realized how quickly, oh no, I've made many, many mistakes. And like, that's why he hides in the bathroom all the time. Is He's just like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going to die. You guys have fun. Hell yeah. Which is also just believable. Uh, like, that's just a believable way to deal with that. And also like, in, in portraying him in that way made so much more sense to me as a character. So like, 
and also felt just generally more realistic and also didn't hit me over the head with a lot of psycho babble that didn't make sense, um, which I also greatly appreciate. And the fact that, like, by the end of the season, you realize he's not the hero of the story. He is one of the secondary character because, like, the hero of the first story is, um, oh, God, how did I already forget his name? I killed him and I forgot his name. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Gotta love um, how it happens. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was that was the hero. It was his story of like realizing the WSM may not be perfect, and realizing there may be problems, and realizing he's gotta do his own thing to save the galaxy. Like he's the hero, and Dane has to basically make up a story to pretend like he's the hero. Precisely, and that that adds up to me. Just generally speaking, adds up to me. Like it's also uh so like when it comes to character creation, just generally, one of the things that makes me the happiest, um the happiest when it comes to the making of a character is well, actually I did have a question regarding the character creation of the villain there. Um Yes. Describe the process of creating that villain, because I have a I have a lovely thought about villainy. <laughs> What what had happened was I originally and unfortunately I had three different voice actors back out before the first episode and I had already released the trailer and I had not edited the first episode yet because I was very bad at audio drama at that time. So I said, oh, no, because initially uh, uh, why can't I remember any of my characters names right now? Asmodeus. Asmodeus was going to be voiced by Lee from Relativity, which I don't know if you've listened to Relativity, but he's got like this very calm, calculated, like very soothing voice. And I was like, I kind of want to see him play comedy. So I, I, it sucks to say this, but like he was straight up in my head going to be uh, Jeff Goldblum in Ragnarok. That's who I wanted him to be, was just this grandiose horrible person and then just like as like even if you in in the first parts when i first started voicing him it was jeff goldblum and then as it went on it started to become my voice a little bit and i went oh no i gotta fix that real quick it worked it worked for me i it worked for me so one of the um the the beloved favorite villain from red wing that i that is I have to say, the one most dear to my heart. Um, the one also, fun fact, voiced by a human being named Dane. Um, <laughs> my best friend in the world. Um, uh, is Alejandro. Um, the the Dark Shadow Prince, I believe, was his name at one point. Um, the, I, I don't know, he had a lot of different villain names. He was basically the, the equivalent of the Joker to the central characters, like everything. But, but, when I was making him, there is a specific moment. I was at Pride, all right? I was at Pride when this character came into my head. <laughs> First and foremost, great time to discover a villain. Great time when you are at Pride. Um, But... This character became a villain when I was at Pride. It was the sort of Pride after party. We were in a club. This was, I think, one of the last times I was at a club, which was wild because that means it was like 2015, which is like insane to think about. Um, 
I miss clubs, but that also is because we're in a pandemic. I really don't miss them that much because I wouldn't I like wasn't going to them. But I do right now miss them anyway. So um, I was in this club. I was in not even a VIP section, but it was a section that like was elevated slightly and did have a little bit of a roped off area. But like everyone could see what was like happening right there, which was just people were sitting in chairs or whatever. Um, And it was sort of near-ish to the center of the middle back wall, which meant you were overlooking the rest of everybody who was there and watching all of the people doing whatever the fuck. Um, And here I am sitting in a chair laid back like this, just with my hand, uh, like I just with my hand out and just sort of holding on to a wine glass because I was a bougie bitch at the time and still am. Um, But like, and just sitting there just judging people. Um, and a, a vision sort of passed through my brain, which is, what if I were sitting like this, but everybody were lined up and just sort of approaching me, and while they were doing this, I just got to judge whether or not they could continue to be in this environment. That thought, that set of thought, that train of thought, that train of emotion, which is a momentary fucking thought, but a one that leads to a very, very dark place, but that I also know where it came from. What it came from was the numerous times that I have just generally felt um, excluded from things because of things that I couldn't control. Um, And what if I got to be the one that was in control of that deciding thing for once in my life? What if I got to be the one who decided that? How quickly would that go to my head and how quickly would I become a bastard because that came, that like went straight to my head having that power and ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I think there are like two different ways to approach villains, which is either just like they're bad and they're bad for being bad and that's why they're bad. They don't have, like... One of my least favorite villains, and I am going to fix this because I can fix this, is Voldemort. Yes. Voldemort's built up for seven books, and so you're like, oh, he must have a rich tapestry of a backstory and why he's evil in nope, so he's many- bad Hitler. Like, he, he's a bad version of Hitler. He's just bad because he's bad. Like, I remember asking one of my friends, like, hey, why is Voldemort- evil did i miss it in the movies and he was like yeah his dad drank a love potion and then he was born and he was able he was born without love so he was just and i was like so he's just evil he's just evil that's the plot is that he's just evil that's it i uh listened to sammy magic and eventually i'll explain why my voldemort's evil old evil douglas but (laughs) i I think you could either go that approach or my, my much preferred version is clear reason so like you said i've been excluded so many times i want to be the one to make the decision and that eventually leads them down an evil path and i will say deviant has both because asmodeus is just evil for the sake of being evil like at one point he points out his plan and he's like my plan is to take over space and and dane even points out like why why do you want this? Like, what's your deal? It makes no sense. But there is another villain who will be introduced, hopefully, in season two, who definitely has a reason to be evil, and it is going to show why they are evil. Oh, God. I love... So, I did that, too, for the first season. Like, um, 
<laughs> like Alejandro's not the main villain of that first season. He's just the first villain you get to. Um and like he's the he has a good reason for being there and the reason was simple just like having had honestly real similar upbringing real similar upbringing to the central character but with the noted with the noted exception of a lack of popularity and a bit of being a loner and also actively at one point just being like put literally into a cage and just left there because of the superpower he has which is um being able to control people either via pheromones or straight up because he just tells them to do things and they do it um yeah yeah making people attracted to other people because of just pheromone manipulation but then also that just that lovely i'm going to now tell you to do numerous things that you're just going to do even if you don't want to do them Like, that's genuinely one of my favorite types of villains, is one who you can so clearly see that they are the foil to the main character. Like, I know we talked about Black Panther, but that's why Killmonger was so enthralling, because it was just like, oh, he's, like, even, he is direct, he's his cousin, basically. Oh, we see how these two characters are almost exactly the same. One just went through much worse stuff to get here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And that that is my favorite, most compelling origin for a character that like is that is bad, that has done bad things. Like basically Alejandro is low key a rapist. Um like or high key a rapist just all the time. Like in theory. In theory. Um but also I guess in practice, based on one part of the story that I won't spoil for people. But then also like he He's not completely just gone after the first season. Like, I brought him back in the second one. And even within that, he goes through another transformation of being like, no, he's just bad. Like, he's just actively bad. No, he's not, like, extremely bad. Like, or even if he's extremely bad, he can still learn and not necessarily be the same level of bad. Well, he goes on to, like, yes, run a mafia thing, which is not probably the best thing in the world. Yeah. But the mafia exists for a reason. And the reason it exists is typically because it's a bunch of people who are excluded from actual, like, justice um, and had to sort of form their own justice system for themselves. And that's why the mafia exists. And that's why when he takes it over from his dad, who died in the first season, who was also murdered by a hero, I would like to point out. He was murdered by someone who was actively a hero in the first season, though. Oh God! Because it also there are soap opera elements to the first season. I'm too. watching you try not to spoil things, and it's enthralling to see your face. There's an evil twin, is what I will say. There was going. Oh to my be, God! There, so you really do soap opera? In. Here's the thing: it was going to be an evil twin when I first wrote it, and then I was like, "But I don't have the time." For him to just be an evil twin, I wanted him to be evil, but then it was just, no, this one was, again, just raised differently, but also, like, there's also being raised differently and then also given a power set that can only be used to manipulate people in a way that's like, yeah, no, the combination of these two is gonna put you in not a great spot. Whereas, like, the other one's like, no, I, I... 
I the powers I've been given are purely to like obtain things and protect people. Like that's yeah. what they're for. And the only real way they can be used. So you can't sort of go bad with those be like or I guess you can. You can also like chop off limbs using force fields. It's a thing that has happened in other f- fiction things. May have happened in this one, may have not. Whatever. You y'all figure that out. Um spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Um who knows when that'll pop up it might be in the first three episodes it might not be you'll see um but like you can use those in very specific ways um that are like either protect people can directly physically injure somebody but still ultimately be protecting or defending someone yeah or you could be a cia operative there's also that, but like, really, you're not like you're still on generally speaking the side of good. But you might have different approaches to get there, like um, whether or not you view like killing as a thing that is just actively bad, or if you're like, listen, sometimes in certain situations the the murder might be justified, especially if you've been given the legal power to do so. Um, yeah, it almost reminds me of like the cheesy thing i think it was a meme going around recently where they were like miss me with this and it was a quote of like a superhero being like if i kill you i'm no better than you and they're like you killed 50 people to get to the main bad guy how dare you do this right now this is my problem with batman because Property damage alone puts people in so much debt that he has ruined countless fucking lives of innocent human beings. And girl, what? Like that, that shit alone bothers the ever living shit out of me about Batman specifically. And also not to mention when he is running away from the police in almost every movie, there are explosions. You know what kills people a lot? dying in explosions so (laughs) like the number of cop cars he's just blown up just because or like the number of traffic accidents he's caused that could directly lead to actual human death that he doesn't give a shit about like that's but but no he can't kill the fucking joker who's actively murdering people bitch you can miss me with that bullshit i don't buy it um (laughs) i'm just i'm now like now i'm just like thinking about villain theory and all the interesting ways to introduce because like i just realized my other favorite way to do a villain which is the way they did mysterio in far from home because yes he was still a foil But he was a foil to something our main character needed, which was a father figure. So he became the foil to Tony Stark. Like, he's full on like, I worked for Tony Stark. I was a genius. All of us were geniuses working for Tony Stark. And it's he's literally, I'm what you need, but bad. And it's so good. It's so juicy. Exactly. And God, God, I... Far From Home was the Spider-Man one that I really enjoyed out of recent Spider-Man things. Recent also still including like the um, that first trilogy of which I've still never seen that last movie. But the reason I haven't seen that last one is because every time I've tried to see it, I've been on a date. Um, the the uh, only one I haven't seen are the uh, ooh, 
The only ones I haven't seen are the Amazing Spider-Mans, and that's apparently a good choice on my part from what I've seen. I didn't hate them, but that's because I don't dislike Emma Stone. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's not because the movies were good. It's just because Emma Stone is a nice actress. Um, but also, the that actor is not bad either. He just played... Um, he played that Spider-Man wrong. That Spider-Man was less of a nerd and that just doesn't work like you have to have a skateboarded spider-man shouldn't skateboard exactly like if you're gonna go with a cool spider-man the the cool (laughs) spider-man miles is the cool spider-man i think that i think we could all just sort of unanimously agree miles is pretty cool still a nerd pretty cool um (laughs) just has a natural cool factor i don't really like if you want to if you want to do cool spider-man you can but he has to have been Spider-Man for like five years because that's built up his confidence. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's why. I, that's why I like the uh, the uh, Homecoming, Far From Home, Tom Holland Spider-Man. Is this a matter of like, yeah, he's already been Spider-Man for a while. So when he's a little confident, that explains why. He's in contact with the Avengers. Like, it gives him good reason. And also, we don't have to deal with Uncle Ben dying for the 50th time. We all know Hollywood. Which I just appreciate them being like, yeah, when your uncle died, and just like not having it go on screen, just leaving it alone. He been dead. It just is what it is. Also, he's actually played by a young person. Yeah. The only uh the only thing I the, the only origin I think works is Miles. That's the only one I was excited to watch cuz then you still got to see an uncle die but it was in an interesting new way. Oh no, his uncle's the Prowler. Oh no, but his uncle still does die. He still gets the, his origin. Meanwhile, the other Spider-Mans, it's just like a 5-minute scene where they're like, "Yeah, I lost my uh Uncle Ben. I lost my Uncle Ben. I lost my best friend. I lost this." And so it just lets you know it in 5 minutes just lets you know, "Oh, they've all been through this." This is just like part Everybody of Spider-Man. Like everybody here has lost something and that has contributed to them doing the thing that they are doing, which I think is also it's there's a wild thing where like a lot of superheroes have just lost something like very close to them. And then for some reason that leads them to do a very like brave and good thing. I've lost some shit in my life and I can tell you that doesn't mean that I then go on to do a lot of well, I have been. I have done brave things, but I I haven't done like I've never just started fighting crime. Like that's not a like. I well, you know. also don't have cool fun spider powers. So do I? Th- do I not? Th- I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Like, I, <laughs> so I have knives I guess, and swords. This is the thing that I have. Um, so I guess since this is now villain based, I guess what is your biggest? influence when it comes to making villains because i have the most interesting one i think mine is look at the aspects of your own soul that are the dark parts and expand on them to the nth degree and amplify those until you have something compelling or choose a thing choose a word that is scary build something around that like for example one of my favorites or recent favorites actually um, and also might be in something upcoming that I'm writing. Um, Scarecrow, the master of fear. So take fear, amplify fear by 9,000 and just center a character whose overarching everything is centered around fear and um, how fear can just fuck people up. Um, 
including like how fear fucked up their parents, which led to family trauma overall, which then led to them studying fear, which then led to them deciding they wanted to master fear by making a toxin that inflicted fear upon other people. Mm-hmm. And, there and like, he is the, he's one of the perfect foils for Batman, too, because like Batman's whole origin, at least in the Bale movies, was I'm real scared of bats. So I guess that's why I'm dressed up like a big old scary bat. Would I tell you the longest it took me so fucking long to realize that the reason that's who he is is because he's afraid of bats. I <laughs> like that's been a thing that's written in there for not a like not a short time. Like that's been in his origin for so fucking long. And I missed it every single time I looked at his origin story. I'm like, oh, well shit. Hmm. I I love all the nerdy things they've added. Like my fa- one of my favorites is like bat- the first batarangs were made from the metal of the gun that killed his parents. Ooh. Like okay, bud, <laughs> that's dark as fuck. I kind of live. Um, that's great. But but apparently, I read about the proposed sequel for Batman and Robin and the ending of the film. I swear to God, it was Scarecrow based. The end of the film was all focused on Batman realizing, like, oh no. I've led to a lot of murder and dealing with that. And so the end of the film has him fight the two main villains who were Harley and Scarecrow. That doesn't make sense, but fighting those two. And I believe they said the reason the film was not made because this, it was because this would have become the most expensive end scene of all time because the toxin would hit him and then he would see the Joker. So you'd have to get... um uh jack nicholson then he would see the penguin so he would see danny devito then the riddler and two-face he'd have to fight off against every villain from the whole series lord of mercy and the end of the film allegedly was batman retiring and going off to some random cave and letting bats fly around him wow i that would have been the most wild movie but like yeah yeah so your um your my villain theory yeah mm-hmm. i've got well two things that inspire me one is the phrase the path to hell is paved with good intentions yes oh god that's good yes mm-hmm. like that's honest that's why in my opinion killmonger is the most enthralling villain he's right like he's right clearly throughout the whole film like the only reason i say loki overshadows him is because of his actor if he got if you got anybody else to play loki he wouldn't have been as as beloved but no that also goes into the main thing that influences how i make a villain and it's pro wrestling I live, but it's so funny. <laughs> well, well, because, like, one of the most big tropes is the heel turn when a good guy wrestler becomes bad after a while. And there are good ones, and then there are bad ones. The worst one of all time is when Stone Cold Steve Austin, perennial best guy of all time, turned heel, became a bad guy for what was very little reason. Barely any reason was given, and so no one liked it. It was a good moment when it first happened, and then nothing came of it. But then there are guys like, one of my favorite wrestlers was CM Punk, who was really beloved, and then turned heel in the middle of his long championship reign, and he was like, yeah, and the reason why, he came out and was like, I've been the champion for 200 days. Guess who main evented this year's WrestleMania? 
John Cena. Guess who's getting all the attention? John Cena. Guess who finishes all the shows? John Cena. Guess who gets interviewed? John Cena. That's why he became a bad guy. He's like, I'm the person who should be getting all the attention right now. Like, logically, I'm trying to be the best thing this company has, and you guys aren't listening to me, and it just made him the perfect bad guy going forward. Jealousy's a great fucking motivator, which is also fully um, the motivation of... That's actually one of the motivations of uh, Alejandro, specifically in how he like just keeps coming back to specifically fighting Red Wing and re- like fighting... Yeah fighting jordan over and over and over again it is literally because he is jealous of the fact that jordan's life is good um jordan had loving parents jordan had a fucking cute boyfriend like all of his goddamn life um which also was just fun because that meant i got to see a ongoing gay relationship that was only ruined because a super villain like absolutely put a hex on um <laughs> put a hex on somebody uh but well like, i mean it's not it's the beauty it's not even jealousy in that moment it is once again going back to this idea of it causes us to be like he's being terrible but he is right he's the champion he's the big biggest name in the company that's why they put the belt on him and yet they're still focusing on john cena who's been losing it makes no sense and so as the audience were going oh crap he is kind of right but he is mean so we get to boo him yeah, like, here's the, like, y- you know who else is kind of like that? Fucking Poison Ivy. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Poison Ivy's not wrong 90% of the time. It is simply that, well, also, but then she started killing people, which is then sort of where you get, yeah. where you get that little bit of, like, oh, now she's, like, now she's on that shit of, like, you know what? I want to destroy every human, because humans are fucked, and I, I'm tired of us, and I want the green to rule the world. I'm like, okay, well, honey, you you were on the right track, but you lost me right here. Um, you lost well, me. That's like the, like, we that's can't like the coexist. best moment. <laughs> like, that's the best moment for a villain, though, is the moment where they have their plan. And their plan is one everybody at home is like, well, they're killing people and they're being evil. But also, I kind of understand. But the moment that plan fails and they snap and go, there's no point anymore. This is all chaos. And then they descend into madness. Like, that's the best moment for me. Hell yeah. Like, there's a, um, oh man, I can, I will spoil this one villain, but I won't spoil the reason behind this villain, which comes at the end of the second season. But, um, the big overarching villain for the first season is the mayor, um, who winds up being related to Jordan, just in disguise. Which is yeah. interesting to do, white mayor related to this um, tidy young black child. But again, mayor was in disguise this whole time. So it's very no, wait, easy switch w- to I make. I don't think you've gotten it. Who mm-hmm. is Jordan? I don't Jordan think you've is it. Red Wing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was just, Dean. No, Dean is Warbird. That's his hero name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Warrior Bird, Warbird, you know, easy shortening of things, just easily. I was very, like, I got into, like, fucking ornithology for a brief period of time, specifically (laughs) because I was, like, trying to come up with names for the shit, the characters on the show, which, like, sure. Um, but no, that was, uh, that was how that sort of popped up. Um, but, uh, the that villain um 
his ultimate motivation that he reveals in that moment is that there is a well of power underneath specifically Jordan's house, but his mansion. Um, yeah. He wants access to that well of power. But in order to do that, he has to low-key blow up a city to get it. Oh. Like, because he doesn't have, he has to kill the main hero and then blow up a city to then ultimately what? Rule over a broken city, which I'm like, which is then literally what the, what the hero says, like, dude, if you kill everybody in the city, what the fuck are you going to be ruling? There's no point to doing this, which is one of the, I don't know. It was a fun line to write in, which is like, why work for something this broken? It doesn't make sense. It's a bad plan. Um, also, I had a fun time actively making the uh, the bad guy uh, a just very conservative Republican, but like doesn't seem it on his face and then immediately just winds up being that. Very fun for me. Um, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it plays into the like whole Thanos thing of like, Thanos is objectively right. Mm -hmm. There probably needs to be less in the galaxy so more resources can be pulled out. But instead of, it's basically, it, it's the Star Wars quote, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Only a bad person thinks, the only way we can fix this is by blowing up the city. The only way we can fix this is by killing half of everyone in the universe. Like, that's the beauty of a, a good villain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the... O the only the and and even then even the one who is the most good doing the most good thing if they are only do like if they're doing it without ever questioning why they are doing what they are doing Loki spoiler for the entirety of the second season um is like that that's gonna lead to some weird shit like it's gonna lead to some weird fucking moments like it, like, for example, there is a moment at the end of the season where he ultimately has to um, maybe kill the mayor, possibly, depending on how you really want to look at it. It's either the mayor killed himself or he killed the mayor. You can slice it both ways and it'll still kind of work fine. Where you're like, did you really have to kill the mayor? You could have incapacitated the mayor and not fully killed him. But like, but then you... But I don't know. It seemed like it was an absolute good to have the mayor not be there. Um, and to need like and so there is the absolute there of like the mayor, the mayor needs to fucking go. So I'm going to get rid of the mayor, even if that means I'm the mayor's going to disintegrate. Um, sure. Um, I don't know. It's just a fun set of thoughts. I like uh, villains tend to be very fun. Um, there's also, ooh, fuck, there are also several, there are so many villains in the second season, and a lot of them were just, oh, man, there are lots of, the first three episodes, or four episodes, sorry, is nothing if not villain creation. Like, it is just, these are four different, like, sorry, six different villains in a row. Enjoy, here you go. Uh, just, and I love them all so much. I mean, that's why, like, villains are fun because... Your hero is the constant, so the hero's gonna get boring after a while, because you're always gonna know what Peter Parker's gonna do, you're always gonna know what Bruce Wayne's gonna do. It's up to the villain to become the interesting change that hopefully provokes some sort of difference in the character. That's why Spider-Man has such a great rogues gallery, is each one is showing him a different either side of himself that's negative, or something that he needs to grow and change. Like, Doc Ock, the whole vibe is like, if you go down this madness, if you go, if you fall prey to this madness of science for too long, you could end up 
like him. So you need to learn how to fight against that. Like Green Goblin is all about like your evil, most evil intentions coming into play due to the use of science and it coming into play. And then he's also got goofy ones like Rhino and Shocker, but even them... They're fun. Like Rhino shows Spider-Man, oh, you can't just thwip around and be clever. You gotta find a way to fight the big scary Rhino. Hell yeah. Oh god, yeah. The vil Oh my god. My some of my favorite villains are the ones where it's like, fuck, I actually don't know how to fight this one. Like Yeah. Which actually so fun thing about the entirety of the third season that was supposed to happen that never happened. There's drama behind that, but we won't get into it. The main thing to point out there is that the third season was going to be a question about legacy. One of my favorite parts of it was basically, so how do you actually fight a god? Um, Like, if you just straight up have the embodiment of all darkness ever, who is literally just the actual Greek deity pertaining to primordial shadow. How do you fight that? Because it's immortal and it can't die. Um, what do you do? Like, it's just what, how the fuck do you solve this? Um, I had a fun solution to that, which is basically, um, if what makes a god is belief and you have a full city that believes in one human being, you can give a single human infinite power to make them a god for a temporary amount of time. Boom. Rule, That's really good. Right? Rule rewriting is very fun. Um, but also I had to construct a universe wherein that could happen, which is just... <laughs> Bat like that's what insane. I like about uh, the the MCU is it's a matter of how quickly they realized well we gotta have Thor in here but also how do we deal with that and they were like <laughs> ah but instead of a god he's an alien okay cool that works I guess it checks out it checks out I liked it I liked that a lot honestly it just oh man I'm I'm always a. Fa- <laughs> I think one of my favorite things about the MCU was, like, the addition of, like, characters who genuinely have no limit to their power. Um, Like, for example, when they added one of my favorites, just adding Captain Marvel really a little bit fucked with everything and, like, didn't ruin everything. But it fucked up some, like, dynamics when she just blew up a fucking ship in that last movie. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know what? Let me just bring down this entire giant ship that apparently none of the rest of the people here can do. Arguments that Scarlet Witch could probably have done something similar. But they also had constructed her in such a way that she didn't have infinite powers in this one, which is weird. I don't know why they did that, but they did. Here they are. Yeah. Well, because they had Captain Marvel. See, what I love about Captain Marvel is the way they've done her because it's a matter of oh, she's not here because she's off fighting some other menace. So that explains why she's gone. And that also shows how intense the Thanos situation got because she was just like, okay, fine. I'm about to yeet myself through this whole entire ship to fix this. I will throw myself through this. And also, like, I don't know. Here's one of my favorite powers. One of my favorite powers is the ability to warp reality because well one again scarlet which is central power if you really if you break it down to its core component her power is reality warping which means she can just fuck with what is true and what is not true throughout the entirety of a universe god damn it if that's not an insane level of power um but like the i don't know they just sort of vaguely made her power like I don't know, weird red magic, I guess. Um, 
sure. Like, and I guess that's fine. That's how you would visually represent it on a screen. But like her power is straight up reality warping, as it has classically been labeled, um, <clears throat> which would in theory mean that all you would have needed is her to just be like, no, the reality where Thanos exists is actually not real. Um. He's just been gone this whole fucking time, which is He's why, gone. which is why having her having been snapped out of existence was actually a great plan. Because um, really, yeah. that whole movie could have been over very fast if he'd like realized I, that was I, her. I, my favorite, probably my favorite part of in it. No, it was Infinity War. Was when Thanos gets the ability to warp reality and he just messes with the Guardians of the Galaxy for a few minutes. And the whole time I was staring, going like, man, I wish Loki had had this because it would have been a real good movie. Just having him deal with this. God damn. Like, God mm-hmm. damn. If the, it, it, the, the MCU for all this shit that I gave it for many years is actually quite good at a lot of things. I think it was specific movies that sort of turned me off at the very beginning, which were the first Captain America, because I never gave a shit about that man to begin with. However, he got very cute with time. So that changed things for me. Yeah. <laughs> it changed. What changed really was more that the main actor got very, very cute over a period of time and he's a nice dude so that makes me happy um anyway uh that iron man bothers the shit out of me and will always bother shit i mean never liked those movies and never will ultimately how how dare you (laughs) that was the only thing keeping me alive in the mcu for a while because i didn't like didn't like captain america didn't like thor both of them really had to grow into their characters. Robert Downey Jr. came in ready. He's like, no, I know who this is. I think that's the thing, though. His character didn't really fully change. I mean, granted, like, you could argue, yes, he, he did change um, just overall in general. I don't really think he changed that much. He seemed like the same person from movie from movies beginning, like, from series beginning to series end, which felt weird to me considering all of the bullshit that happened over the course of everything. Like, even during, like, even the side he was on during Civil War just felt fucking weird and never actually fully resolved when that whole thing resolved, and then we wound up in Infinity War where we're just like, what the fuck? I don't, like... What, sir, sir, sir? Like, like I don't okay. know. But then, okay, wait, I can go on my, I, I can go on my Iron Man diatribe. But we have already gone very, very long. So, where can people find you? Where can people find Red Wing? Give the people the deets. Yes. So you can find me at Red Black Golden R E D B L A Q U E golden spelled exactly the way you think it is yeah two colors and fancy black exactly um and uh you can find red wing at red wing pod on twitter um full disclosure to all the people i have basically abandoned that account like i go in casually on occasion and like retweet something but there was a reason that i did that it's fine we won't talk about it but like if you do follow that, you will find act, like the links to the uh, the website, which I believe is redwingpodcast.com. Um, you can also just find it on Libsyn at redwingpod.libsyn.com, which has all the subscribe links there anyway. So if, if you want to get direct to it, um, there I will say there are illustrations of the characters on redwingpodcast.com. So maybe do that so you can see some of the characters that you uh, – that are in the story, um, which I think is just a good general thing to do. But yeah, that's where that is. Um, 
other projects that I'm in. I'm a voice actor. I do a lot of shit. <laughs> and you can see the things that I do. You can hear the things that I do. You can't visually see them because reasons. But you can hear about the things that I do on my Twitter page. Um, and eventually I'll have a website whenever the fuck I get to that. Um <laughs> Very good. Thank you for joining me. If you guys have any questions to ask about Deviant, send them on my personal Twitter because I do not log into the WSM Deviant account a lot because I just make cheesy and universe jokes there. Uh, so you guys can follow that there or just ask me questions at Scotty Mo S C O T T Y E M O. Every time I do one of these little Deviant creators, I'll try to a- answer your questions as I can. But until next time. Stay deviant? I don't have an outro. (laughs) Stay deviant's fun. (laughs) Stay deviant is fun. Yay. Bye. Bye.